Well, good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. It's Good News Black Friday, uh, but we don't have anything dark to talk about here. Everything is all good, and hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday with family and friends, or perhaps that Thanksgiving holiday is continuing on into today. Uh, knowing what it's like to uh, have family, like as Lisa and I do, we have six adult children between the two of us, and they are in, let's see, we've got three of them in Texas right now and three in California. And so we are just making our rounds and trying to get some face time with as many as we can, like we had to make that decision. You know, this is the first year we've ever had to do this one. Um, we're doing uh, Christmas with Emily and Brian's family because they'll be coming out to uh, uh, to be with us in California at Christmas time. But they did uh, their thanksgiving somewhere else so i think it was georgia or something like that with other families so we're part of that crowd now too and uh, if that was your story i hope you had a wonderful time of celebration and i'd be curious too uh, just drop us a note uh, at the bottomlineshow.com does your church still celebrate thanksgiving um, I know a lot of churches have, or they do a Thanksgiving service maybe the week before, maybe it's community outreach, or they go out and serve on the day of the event, but I would really be curious to see um, how many churches have some kind of outreach on Thanksgiving. You know, Thanksgiving isn't, it used to be traditionally the day, now is the day that people are out there doing their Black Friday shopping and, and whatnot, and, uh, or they're at home doing their Black Friday shopping, that would be us, or <laughs> we try to do as much online as we can. But this is also the time when the Christmas decorations start to show up. Um, though I don't know about you, and this is anecdotal, this is just my own experience of places I've driven here in the Southland. It seems like the Christmas decorations went up maybe on election day, you know. I, I, something tells me that as much as people in the culture bellyache and gripe and moan and complain about the Christmas holiday, you know, trying to do the holiday holidays, um, it seems like the Christmas decorations went up a little bit early this year. And I'm, I, I think to quote uh, that famous song in the uh, movie MAME, uh, M-A-M-E, about uh, Mame Dennis, a legendary actress back in the day, um, we need a little Christmas right this very minute. So you know, uh, it's, it's still November, but uh, we're, we're definitely looking for Christmas and, of course, for us and the body of Christ. The Advent season officially kicks off on Sunday. Um, and, and you'll have those weeks leading up to Christmas Day. Actually, it's kind of uh, a little strange this year in that uh, the fourth, I'm not sure, I have to go back and check my church calendar. Christmas Day being on a Sunday this year, does that mean that Christmas is the fourth Sunday of Advent? Or, you know, how do you handle it? I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see how churches handle worshiping on a Sunday. I remember a couple of years ago when Christmas Eve was on a Sunday, and our church had to, uh, I drew the short straw. I wound up preaching on that morning, knowing that most people would consider coming to worship that evening as their worship experience. So uh, there's lots of things that will happen in the culture. But as the culture continues to decry and push away biblical values, and the biblical meaning of Christmas and biblical celebration of Christmas, it's nice to see that there are some people who are standing up for our biblical truth. And uh, today here on The Bottom Line, got a couple of good news stories about people who are going to, one is a media star, one will become a media star, 
and standing, taking a stand for their faith publicly. But then also later in the broadcast, uh, we're going to hear from a gospel music great, Babby Mason. Um, we had the privilege of uh, um, our own uh, Teresa Kim got a chance to meet her at an event a couple months ago and struck up a great friendship. And so Babby's going to join me for a conversation about what God's been doing for her, through her, as an educator, as a singer, of course, songwriter, producer, uh, but also a broadcaster. She's got her own uh, online broadcast network. So Babby's going to join us at the conclusion of the program today. And then coming up in the middle of the program, we're going to revisit an interview I conducted many, many years ago with a guy by the name of Ken Mansfield. Ken was the guy, he was the road manager for the Beatles for a number of years. He has a huge background um, in mainstream rock and roll, secular music, that type of stuff. But he became a Christian and started palling around with a lot of the guys who were in the old school contemporary Christian music scene in the Nashville area many years ago. And I was thumbing through Facebook last Thursday, I think it was, and uh, one of the guys, it may have been Eddie DeGarmo or Phil Keggy or one of those guys who hangs out there, uh, posted that they lo- Ken lost his battle with cancer last week. And um, so I just sentimentally, I still have a copy of his book, Rockin' Up and a Heart Place, uh, on my desk, as a matter of fact. I'm staring right at it in my home office today. And uh, we're going to revisit that interview and give you a chance to win that copy of the book. Um, that'll be our Good News Friday giveaway for the day. So lots of things to discuss, lots of things on the docket. First, though, can we get a tip of the cap to a young woman who has spent a lot of time in the culture uh, being known uh, professionally as a variety of different singer, actor, well, I don't know if she's a singer, uh, actress, model, spokesperson, talk show host. Uh, You first came to know her as DJ Tanner on the television series Full House. Yes, I'm talking about Candace Cameron Bure. Um, She has been making headlines as an outspoken conservative Christian. And by outspoken, what I mean is she just speaks up for her faith. She doesn't necessarily go on these tears. She just defends the faith. Remember when she was a uh, host on The View, uh, that program, which is still hanging around for some reason for years and years. She was the conservative and Whoopi Goldberg, Joy Behar and all the other crowd that were on that show uh, routinely used to have her or try to have her for lunch. And she would fight back. Uh, and I mean fighting back in the literally putting on the armor of God, answering answering the questions in a biblical fashion, uh, I, I think really acquitting herself nicely for her faith. She uh, did a couple years on The View, and that was about all she could handle, and I don't blame her uh, for leaving. But she has written books, she's hosted television programs, and she recently left the Hallmark Channel. She Part of what her, uh, her world has... Um, become a, a she's become very well known for is the hallmark channel now the hallmark channel does a lot of really great programming i have absolutely no doubt uh good friend brian bird with the one calls the heart series have had some good success there uh, this is not to say that hallmark channel on the whole is a bad place to be and i don't think candace cameron Bure said was saying that either when she made the statement that she got all sorts of heat for last week but she recently left. I mean, she's she's got that look. She's got that appeal. Hallmark Channel, kind of for better or for worse, is known for kind of schlocky romantic comedies. And especially around the Christmas holiday, there's always somebody who will be home for Christmas who gets entangled in some crazy misunderstanding, and they eventually wind up finding love. And it's usually the woman who's the heroine of the story. And she There's the, you know, attractive guy who comes into her world who helps her realize that she's too busy and Christmas time is the perfect time to find out you know what love is really all about 
Now, people like a good love story, especially at the holidays, very sentimental, you know, for people who either have great relationships and they want to capitalize on them and say this kind of reinforces what we believe, or people who don't have great relationships. They say, well, if I can't have a great relationship, at least I can have a good movie to watch. But of late, the Hallmark Channel has been taking some steps into different programming that has tried to be more, how does the world put it, try to be more inclusive and uh, feature more diversity. Now, diversity is typically a code word for we're going to see more people of color on the screen. That's kind of what it's become. Um, And in many cases, uh, though it's not fair to lean one way over the other, diversity typically means there's black people in the show. I mean, that's maybe the occasional Asian person or Hispanic or whatever, but that's typically what it means. When you say so-and-so is the head of the diversity and inclusion department for this network, that usually means it's a black woman with an alternative lifestyle who's going to put more people who aren't white on the screen. I mean, that, that's just kind of where the world operates right now. I don't think it's the way the church should operate. I mean, I think the church should be operating with people who are like-spirited and we come from different backgrounds. And of course, you're going to see churches that are multi-ethnic and some churches that are favoring one you know, tribe and nation and one that favor the other. And, and, and I, I'm not quite sure where God is on all this. I mean, I'd like to believe that heaven is going to be multi-ethnic, multicultural, uh, but one common spirit. But I do see, I, mean, I have friends who are in the Asian community who say, hey, look, sometimes it's just easier for us to worship in our native tongue. And if it's not English, then uh, trust me, I know there's a Korean fellowship that worships at the church I used to be a part of, Lutheran Church of the Cross. And I used to love, they, they would rent space in the sanctuary first thing in the morning for a prayer service, Monday through Friday. They'd hold a Bible study in the social hall. And then Sunday afternoon, they would rent the sanctuary as well. And sometimes I'd still be there cleaning up and I would wander down, you know, to head to my car past the sanctuary and you'd hear this huge great choir singing a hymn that I knew the tune of like holy 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 or just as I am or something like that at the top of their lungs in Korean and I'd stick my head in the back door there might be 20 people there you know but they were singing like oh man it sounded wonderful so I understand the need for you know certain things that are certain focused on a certain ethnicity to culture and then in the church and other people that you know want to do it multicultural But Candace Cameron Bure, our sister in Christ, basically said to Hallmark Channel, hey, I'm not going to do any more movies for Hallmark Channel simply because it seems like, well, the values aren't matching my values. And I don't think she was terribly specific when she did. But then when she announced that she was launching a brand new network called Great American Family, the question was raised, well, you left Hallmark Channel because... You said that you didn't like the fact that they were including LGBTQ characters into their movies. Are you going to do something similar to what they did and just compete on a different network with Great American Family? And basically her response, the Wall Street Journal asked her this question, and her response was, and I'm quoting her here, when asked if Great American Family would include LGBT couples as plot leads, she said, and I quote, I think that Great American Family will keep traditional marriage at the core. Full stop. Now, what's interesting about that is she said that right around the same time that Hallmark Channel is announcing the first time they've ever had a movie where a same-sex storyline will be the main character. Usually, it's kind of like the TV shows where there's the main character and the main family and then the friend or one of the kids is gay and they might have a gay friend. But there's a new movie coming out on Hallmark Channel on December 11th, and it's the story of two guys 
who fall in love. It's the first time Hallmark Channel's ever put the two guys front and center. And so in light of that, Wall Street Journal asked Candace Cameron, well, are you going to have, you know, like, would you ever do a plot like that? And she said, I think great American family will keep traditional marriage at the core. She said nothing disparagingly about the LGBTQ community. She said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to tell love stories that keep traditional marriage at the core. Needless to say, the tolerant and diversive and, uh, and, and, and inclusive left just went nuts went absolutely nuts. They're just trying to destroy this woman on social media. But Candace Cameron Bure is standing her ground. I'll tell you exactly what she is doing to do so in just a moment as the bottom line continues. When you're injured in an accident, you just want to be treated like a human being. But when you are denied what you need to make a quick and full recovery, it can feel dehumanizing. Stephanie Cover puts her client's total healing first, and that means fighting for a settlement that respects you as a human being. The insurance companies don't necessarily care about why you need a settlement, but they know that it means they will lose money. Stephanie will stand up for a dollar amount that values your life and the full process of your complete restoration. Even when the insurance companies are doing their best not to pay you, you have a leg up because Stephanie Cover used to work for those same insurance companies. Getting you well-positioned for your full physical, financial, and spiritual recovery is Stephanie's goal in working with you. Save her number now or call 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Then fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash coverlaw. Stephanie Cover, she knows the other side. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. The good news is that there are still men and women in Hollywood who are willing to take a stand for biblical marriage and let the, quote-unquote, the proverbial chips fall where, where they may. Candace Cameron Bure, outspoken Christian. Uh, we had her brother Kirk on Monday talking about his new movie, Like Mark, and the Cameron family, very, very strong in their faith, uh, gave an interview to the Wall Street Journal about a new network that she's a part of called Great American Family. Now, she rather famously announced earlier this year, I believe it was, that she was leaving the Hallmark Channel. She's done a ton of movies for Hallmark Channel. And let's face it, every year you can pretty much count on a new Christmas or holiday-themed love story starring Candace Cameron Bure as the 40-something now wife who falls in love with the mysterious stranger uh, on a whim, you know, sleepless in Seattle type of story. People love those stories, especially at Christmas time. But she didn't like the way that the Hallmark Channel was starting to incorporate more LGBTQ uh, storylines into their movies. So true to form, what I, I believe anyone should do, if you got a gripe with a big organization because they don't reflect your values, and I would say this to anybody in the LGBTQ community as well as to people in the church. Remember when the LGBTQ crowd was coming after the Boy Scouts? We need more gay scout leaders. We need gay scout leaders. We need boys to be able to come out as gay and transgender and blah, blah, blippity, blah. And the scouts changed. And I said, well, no, 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 wait, don't do that. If the Boy Scouts of America have operated on Christian biblical values for 110 years, start a gay scouts if you want to. Come, I mean, Mark Hancock uh, came up with uh, uh, the Trail Life USA because he saw the Boy Scouts kind of moving in a different direction, left of center, and said, hey, we want to have a group that's actually going to reflect biblical values. And Trail Life USA was born. 
fantastic. Good for you, Mark. I mean, I think that's wonderful. Candace Cameron Bure didn't like what Hallmark Channel was doing. So instead of leading a petition, let's get a drive together. Let's get two million signatures, my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, to get Hallmark Channel to stop doing this. They said, look, if this is Hallmark Channel's new business order, that's your business order. Do that. We're going to start Great American Family. Start a network. Again, that no one who doesn't like our values has to watch. Double negative there. That's the beautiful thing about television. And this is the part where the left that is so always preaching tolerance and acceptance and celebration and inclusivity and diversity isn't any of those. They're just not. If they did celebrate all of those things, then they would welcome Christianity and say, that's for you, good for you, glad you found that. But because they lie to you, the big lie is that the left is more tolerant than the right, and the reality is they're not. You and I are far more aware of more Christian people who would say, look, I would never tell you not to be gay. My friend Joe Dallas, the biblical principles guy with Genesis Biblical Counseling, says, I will never tell anyone their feelings are wrong. If this is the way you feel, I'll never tell you you're wrong that way because they're your feelings, right? How do I know? What I can tell you is what biblical principles are. And so whereas I would never ever tell somebody who is gay, there's something wrong with you because you're gay and et cetera, et cetera. Like a lot of Christians have done, I will point to scripture and say, look, this is what God says about homosexuality. This is what God says about sex outside of marriage. I know that what's going to lead you to faith in Christ is not my badgering you and not my lecturing you and finger pointing in your chest and beating you over the head with scripture. It's living out a relationship with the Lord that says, I am a sinner and I am blessed and grateful to be saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And you can have that gift too. And let the Holy Spirit do the convicting. So Candace Cameron Bure says, look, I mean, Hallmark Channel, the question from the Wall Street Journal, Hallmark Channel is releasing a new movie on December 11th. It's called The Holiday Sitter. And it's the story of two guys who fall in love. First time we've ever seen this in a Hallmark Channel movie. First ever movie featuring a same-sex storyline as the focus of the plot. Now, trust me, there's plenty of LGBTQ media out there that do this all the time. But for a mainstream channel like the Hallmark Channel to do this, a lot of Christians are going to get turned off by it. A lot of them are going to be offended by it. So, um, Great American Family said, look, when asked that question, do you think you're going to do something like that on your channel? Uh, Candace Bure responded, I think the Great American Family channel will keep traditional marriage at the core. It is my heart to tell stories that have more meaning and purpose and depth behind them. I know that the people behind Great American Family are Christians who love the Lord and want to promote faith programming and good family entertainment. Now, it's not just... Candace Cameron Bure, who's saying, I want to come over here because I want this too. Uh, Jill Wagner is now a part of Great American Family. Danica McKellar, remember Winnie Cooper from uh, Wonder Years? She's a part of this as well. Um, the Great American Family Network, by the way, was launched in 2021 by a guy called Bill Abbott. It is available on major cable and satellite outlets as well as streaming platforms. Um, Bill Abbott used to be an executive at Hallmark Channel and said, hey, wait a minute. Um, faith and family is a key piece of what we're doing. As a matter of fact, uh, Bill Abbott said of Candace Candor Bure, for me, she is the key piece of what we're doing. If people are asking, how do you define the programming on Great American Family Channel? It's Candace Cameron Bure. Well, with the side order, by the way, too, of Matthew West, Christian singer-songwriter, really nice guy, uh, wrote a song called Come Home for Christmas. 
which is the uh, uh, the theme song for the Great American Family Channel Christmas event. Uh, by the way, there's uh, one of the movies, 18 original Christmas movies that will be uh, showing on Great American Family this year. And uh, there's a Great American Christmas event, and there's a theme song that goes all the way through this. By the way, A Christmas Present is the movie starring Candace Cameron Bure. But you're going to hear a song called Come Home for Christmas on Great American Family, written by Matthew West. And uh, that's all part of this deal. Now, needless to say, the left is just all over her on social media. Hate-filled, bigoted, homophobic. Even her daughter, Natasha, who's been on this program before, tweeted out some stuff saying, hey, my mom's a superhero. I mean, mom, thank you for standing firm in your faith. What you'll notice in the tweets and the social media posts against Great American Family and against Candace Cameron Bure is the hate-filled vitriol, the spiteful language that's coming from people who claim to be very tolerant. What you're seeing from Candace Bure and her family and her supporters, for the most part, is very calm. It's very civil. I think it's very dignifying. And so I commend them. I have no stake in Great American Family. They're not doing any promotion with us whatsoever. I share this as a public service and encourage you to check out this article here at thebottomlineshow.com about how Candace Cameron Bure said, look, we're... Now, the article headline says Great American Family will not feature LGBT couples. That's not what Candace Bure said. She said we will focus on traditional biblical marriage. There's a big difference there. If she were on the path and saying, hey, we're not doing this gay stuff and blah, 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 blippity, blah, that's a whole different story. But the fact that she said we will focus on traditional biblical marriage I think is the best way to handle this situation, and I commend her for it. The article is up at thebottomlineshow.com. As we continue, uh, there are college athletes now who are what they call one and done. They go to college for a little extra exposure, uh, whether they're playing football or basketball. Those are typically the big money sports. And then they leave. They bolt for the NBA or the NFL or wherever they're going to go play their thing and get their big check. Uh, very interesting that a very uh, well-known All-American basketball player who got lots of Player of the Year honors last season, was a junior then, and he was debating whether or not to return for his final year of eligibility or join the NBA. He wound up going back to school, but the reason he did is noteworthy and newsworthy and good news Friday-able, and we're going to talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Call Dennis Wilson and his team today. Wilson Financial Services, honoring God and their clients by stewarding their money well. 800-696-9970. Just reviewed a client who put money into 3D Alternative versus leaving it in a bank. The results are in and they're fun. It's a fun report. Bank zero, God's kingdom, two churches in Africa. I often wonder why God's people don't do a better job with stewarding God's money. And I personally think one of them is that they've never been told how or why they should be doing it. Maybe they never heard it's God's money and we're only to be the good stewards of it. But just for fun, this turned out Bank Zero, God's Kingdom, two churches in Africa. This isn't your money. This is God's money. And we want to show you how to be the best possible steward you can be. Wilson Financial Services, 800-696-9970. Or fill out the contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Good news coming out of the Commonwealth of Kentucky. I believe we have six commonwealths here in the U.S. Massachusetts is a commonwealth. Pennsylvania is a commonwealth. Virginia is a commonwealth. Kentucky is a commonwealth. I don't remember the other two. I I know at least those four. So in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, there is good news from the Bluegrass State. 
um, a young man by the name of Oscar Tishwabi, who is an All-American as a junior for the University of Kentucky, uh, have a, I mean, literally, he was the Associated Press Player of the Year. He was the John Wooden Award winner. He was the Naismith Player of the Year Award. Um, he averaged 17 points and 15 rebounds. So he's one of those big men that everybody covets. Guy's a, a native of the Congo and came to the U.S. to play basketball. He's a part now of the Kentucky Wildcats team that started out this year, uh, ranked fourth in the latest Associated Press poll. Uh, they've won their first two games. But the question was asked of him recently on the Sports Spectrum podcast that, you know, why did you come back? You know, you, you were a consensus national player of the year. You easily could have been a top five, if not top one or two draft pick in the NBA. You could sign a major contract, make a ton of money, have all sorts of impact on your family back home. Why did you decide to stay in the NBA? And he said, well, you know, every time I listen to the advice of people, I always wind up making not good choices. So instead, I decided to fast and pray. And I'm quoting him here. My dad told me that God has given us the spirit, the Holy Spirit who lives within us. If we ask anything according to his word, he's going to help us. The Holy Spirit will guide us, will give us good direction. So I remembered that and I said, I'm going to pray about this. So I prayed and I asked God. And I just said, God, speak to me. And God's response was, I'm not done with you in this place. So I figure if God is not done with me, that means he's still got a work to do. So that's why I made the decision I did. And then when asked, well, do you have any regrets? He said, you know, when you submit everything to God, that means you trust him. You believe he is going to help you. And the one thing about that is he's not going to lead you in the wrong direction. I was just so blown away that this young man is so matter of fact about the fact he says, I'm going to see where God's going to take us. I'm praying for my team. I'm praying for my teammates. I'm praying for my coaches, everybody. And I always share the word of God with them. And I invite them to go wherever I go to preach in area churches so they can hear the message too. He brings the message and the word of God in word from the pulpit. But this young man also lives out the word of God each and every day. And Oscar Tishwabi Thank you for sharing your faith. I apologize in advance for mispronouncing your last name, T-S-H-E-I-I-E-B-W-E. But thank you for your faith and thank you for your uh, commitment to Christ and having a bold stance that says, hey, I turned down the NBA and the money, not because I didn't have the right agent or it wasn't enough money, but because God told me to do it and I'm doing it. So we'll put this article up at thebottomlineshow.com as well. All right, we'll take a quick break. And as I mentioned at the start of the broadcast, we'll continue on the other side of this break with a rather bittersweet uh, reflection, if you will. Bitter for us because uh, he's no longer with us, but uh, sweet because of the great story that he has to tell. Ken Mansfield, uh, one of the most uh, famous entertainers around, uh, an award-winning producer and music executive who uh, he's got I mean, the Beatles, the Stones, I mean, the Birds, so many different bands that are so well-known. He wrote a book about his conversion to Christianity called Rock in a Heart Place, a rock and roller coaster ride from rebellion to sweet salvation. We've got a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. About seven years ago, I had the privilege of sitting down with Ken and discussing this book and discussing his testimony. Ken Mansfield uh, entered into eternal glory last week uh, after a long battle with cancer. And so to remember his memory, we're going to talk and share this conversation. It's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues.
Bless your children with the help you've always wanted to give them. Newport Bay Mortgage works with your unique circumstances to explain the benefits of a reverse mortgage in today's market. Act now and provide for your family in need by gifting them a fraction of the fruits of your labor. With Newport Bay Mortgage, you can clarify the advantages of a reverse mortgage in your specific situation with professional insights on the current market. Sharing the rewards of a reverse mortgage is a valuable act of service that helps your loved ones establish valuable financial security for the future. Use the gift from your home to contribute towards God's work and plans by blessing your family in need with real financial help. Make up your mind today to make a difference in the lives of those who mean the most to you. Start by calling Newport Bay Mortgage at 714-741-8080, 714-741-8080. Visit kbrightradio.com slash reverse or NMLS 332959. Newport Bay Mortgage is an equal opportunity housing lender. Well, welcome to a Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. It's Good News Black Friday. And I thought we'd do something different today as we wrap up the program. I realize for this is the half hour that we have everybody live together with us. And then um, our friends at KCBC pick up uh, one half hour on uh, 7 p.m. at the Bottom Line Extra. And then the second half hour, they get Bottom Line Rewind the following morning at 1030. Um so this is when we're all together. It's kind of big family meeting here. And I just wanted to revisit a conversation that I had several years ago with a guy who's meant a lot to all of us. His name is Ken Mansfield. And you may not recognize the name, but this is a guy who's, uh, he's won Grammy Awards. He's won Dove Awards. He's worked in the secular music world. He's worked in the Christian music world. He was the road manager for the Beatles for years and years. Uh, he worked with all sorts of different folks. And uh, he wound up becoming a Christian several years later, and he spent the last years of his life uh, kind of working in both worlds. He was a regular at the Old Guys Lunch in Nashville. Uh, I think every once a month they would get together, all these great contemporary Christian music artists, and Ken would show up and tell them Beatles stories, and they would all just kind of geek out on that. I read a report last week that Ken had lost a battle with cancer, and he was home with the Lord now. And so I thought today would be a great day to, as a tribute to him, uh, I, we dug in the archives, Tamara found it. I, an interview I recorded with Ken back in 2015 when he had released a book called Rock and a Heart Place, a rock and roller coaster ride from rebellion to sweet salvation. And it features uh, profiles of all sorts of different people, people in the Christian world you might recognize like John Elefante. Um, uh, you might know Des Dickerson, who used to play with uh, uh, Prince's group. Um Mark Farner, Grand Folk Railroad, very strong evangelical Christian. Others that you wouldn't necessarily think of, Ruth Pointer, the Pointer sisters. Uh, Rudy Sarzo <laughs> played with Quiet Riot and Ozzy Osbourne and Ronnie James Dio. Anyway, they're all featured in this. We've got a copy of the book. We're going to give it away today. So during this half hour, we'll take your calls. Ken Mansfield, whose connections to the Beatles and all sorts of groups is just legendary one copy of the book rock in a heart place to give away 800-227-5278 800-227-5278 that's the number to get you through to the bottom line and now an encore presentation honoring the memory of ken mansfield by conversation with ken dating back to 2015 on the special edition of the bottom line this is a guy who's got connections to uh well we'll start dr- I'm going to introduce him first and then let him drop the names. Ken, welcome to The Bottom Line. It's good to have you on the program today. Great to be here. 
Uh, you've got a new book out called Rock in a Heart Place. Uh, it's being described right. as a backstage pass to some uh, just really great stories. And, and you and I were just talking before we came on the air, and I think we could probably, we could probably spend an entire weekend talking about your life if, if I didn't wear you out you know, with the just kind of inane questions from a, a, a music you know, consumer standpoint. But uh, you, the, the bands that you've worked with over the years, I mean, are just so legendary. And we'll put the book up at thebottomlineshow.com so all of our listeners can take a look at it. Where did your story start? Because obviously there's a conversion experience here. But I mean, let's, let's talk about you getting into the music industry in the first place, because it's one thing to look back on a career retrospectively. Right. But what was it like getting started for you? Where, where did you get in? Well, in a nutshell, music was always like the big thing in my life, but it was just like you or anybody else. It's just, that's just something they love. You know, mm-hmm. you never think about doing anything with it. And then, um, uh, one day, uh, when I was in, uh, college, we started a folk group there and this is in Southern California. I graduated from San Diego state and we started, uh, doing weekend shows and doing little tours and stuff. And a guy from Capitol met me. And he found out I had a Bachelor of Science degree in marketing, and here I was, uh, you know, with this good group, and he just said, did you ever think about going to work for a record company? Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, in my mind, I'm going, in my dreams. Yeah, yeah, right, sure. And it happened to be Capitol Records, and the job they were talking about happened to be the district promotion manager for the Hollywood West Coast area, mm. which is the cream puff job in all the record business then. For And I interviewed against 40 guys that... Uh, and got the job. Mm. So then, eight weeks later, I'm working, or eight months later, I'm working with the Beatles. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh uh, my goodness! You know, because it was my job, and yeah. the Capital was a very formal company. And my job description was any band that came in the Los Angeles area, that was my assignment. Okay. And so the bigwigs didn't take the, that away from me; they followed the rules, and so I worked with the Beatles. Mm. Well, I was a twenty-some-year-old guy, and there. Uh, you know, in their 20s, and everybody else, because they've become so famous, were lords of EMI and uh, chairman of the board of Capital Industries, a bunch of old guys in suits, and here's a young guy, you know, <laughs> suntan, Cadillac convertible, has a home with a pool in the Hollywood Hills, and, you know, right up their alley. So we just hit it off. Mm. Just on a plain, everyday level, we hit it off. I worked with them again in 1966 on their second tour, and um, we... The relationship deepened, and so when they decided to set up their company, Apple, they needed a guy to run in America, and so I was the guy. Wow. And they sent, sent for me, and uh, I don't know. It was just so special. It was so natural, and one thing, Roger, is I found out later is I didn't get it with the Beatles. Hmm. I didn't understand what was such a big deal. They oh, were right. another yeah. really good band, mm-hmm. and in a couple of years, it would all be over, and, you know, that, uh, but... So I think the fact that I wasn't in awe of them made them comfortable around. Yeah, and, and boy, I can imagine, I was talking with Ken yep. Mansfield today here on The Bottom Line, Ken has a brand new book out called Rock and a Heart Place, a rock and roll roller coaster ride from rebellion to sweet salvation. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. I'm imagining all of you in your 20s and the fact that things were so crazy for the Fab Four, as it were back then, that yeah. having a guy like you who could just be like a calm voice of reason and feel a little bit like home and a, and a, a yeah. safe place what was in valuable to them at that time and you know uh, they were as fascinated with me as i was with them interesting you know uh they've grown up you know reading and seeing about california mm-hmm. and so i epitomized that for them so 
it was a very mutual thing in that respect, you know. No, it was very innocent, very mm-hmm. innocent. I, and I love that 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 purity. As you moved on from the Beatles, then your career now goes into the seventies. And and you, I'm going to fast forward a lot. People can okay. read about this in the book. Um, yeah. Country music, that kind of outlaw country type of thing. That was you putting that all. It together. was, and uh, I grew up very country, about as country as you can get. Mm-hmm. And so the like at Capitol and the country roster always end up in my office, the Buck Owens and Merle Haggards and mm-hmm. all these guys. Mm-hmm. And Waylon Jennings and I, it just uh, we met in a smoky room in Nashville during a country music convention one time, and we stopped and started talking to each other. And uh, we formed a bond that was just um, amazing. And I brought, I wanted to be like Alan Parsons as a producer. That was my style of producing, and Waylon was a totally on-the-natch guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, totally on-the-natch. He didn't care about that stuff. And we really had an incredible relationship in the studio and as friends, but he taught me how to feel about a record, how to feel about a song, and, and he really liked the fact that I put a little sheen to his stuff, you know, a little s- sparkle on it sure. through my production technique. So it was a pretty amazing uh, thing. And the thing for me, Roger, was... The Beatles were already famous when I went to work for them, and most of the acts I worked with, but we did the outlaw thing from the ground up. Mm -hmm. I had a special pride in that work that I'd done. Yeah, and we're talking with Ken Mansfield today, producer to the, I mean, I want to say producer to the stars, that sounds kind of like a cliche, but um, <laughs> but but it's true, and, and you, you've got this new book out called Rock in a Heart Place, which right. is up at thebottomlineshow.com, that talks about a, a redemption story. Can you in 60 seconds, Ken, this really isn't fair, but I'm going to ask you okay. anyway, can you in 60 seconds give our listeners an idea of what a record producer actually does? I mean, there's there, it's multifaceted, I know, but you talk yes, about the, the production part. Uh, when you, you mentioned Alan Parsons, I remember Alan Parsons, and the Alan Parsons project, thinking that's a band, you know, not realizing yeah. that he was a great producer first. Talk about what Ken Mansfield did in the studio for these guys. Well, there's something, you, you, it's like being a psychologist. You have, you have to be able to read the room, your artist. You have to understand their music. You have to understand where they're at personally and kind of what their buttons are, their turn-off and turn-on buttons. You have to really work in figuring out what the music's going to be what the concept of the album is going to be, who the musicians are that fit the concept. If you need an arranger, who can arrange this? Uh, it's just like a million things you have to put together to really work with a band. And then once you're in the studio, uh, you know, you're in there 16 hours a day for months at a time. You get pretty close with another person. I'll you bet. Know? I'll bet. And it can get very, very you got to be very careful in there because it's a very volatile atmosphere. You're You're dealing with Big budgets, the record companies are on you to keep the budget part together, and you have to satisfy so many people. And so there's a lot of pressure for artist and producer. So yeah. you're really into something together. Well, I'll bet. I'll bet. And as we continue uh, talking with Ken Mansfield today here on The Bottom Line about his brand-new book, Rock in a Heart Place, a roller coaster ride from Rebellion to Sweet Salvation, which is up at thebottomlineshow.com. We'll talk about some of the to- uh, some of the toll that, uh, that these pressures uh, took on, on Ken's life. And uh, we'll drop a few more names, some names that you may be familiar with as well, but also talk about uh, uh, where that, uh, that move from rebellion to salvation began in yeah. Ken Mansfield's life. More of my conversation with Ken Mansfield in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. We're talking with Ken Mansfield today here on The Bottom Line. Ken has a brand new book out called Rock and a Heart Place, a rock and roll roller coaster ride from rebellion to sweet salvation. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. 
Uh, we mentioned the Beatles in the last set, mentioned Waylon Jennings. And, of course, these all just go hand in glove, right? From the Beatles to Waylon Jennings to Des Dickerson, <laughs> Rudy Sarso, John Elefante, Brian Welch. I mean, my goodness. I mean, you're talking about rock and pop and metal yeah. and, and country. You've really seen it all. I mean, how, how did you – you talked about the pressure early in the last segment of being a producer and trying right. to bring all these artists and you know keep all the, the money together. Uh, at some point, it had to take a toll on you. What did you do to kind of unwind or escape that pressure? Well, uh, gee, this may not be the question or the answer you expected, but (laughs) (laughs) I think that's why so many people in the music industry get into drugs so heavily. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're out there on the road forever. You you get extremely lonely, so much pressure that sometimes you just can't keep up with it. Your mind can't um, handle it all. You don't have the energy anymore. So then pretty soon it's drugs, and then pretty soon you're having problems, and so you're escaping that way. And... um, it's an unusual life. I don't think anybody can really understand what the life of a superstar is like. Um, it's a world that's totally unimaginable, what it's like out there, and especially when you're on the road for a long time, and they have uh, hundreds of thousands of fans idolizing them and worshiping them, and, and uh, you know, you're going from place to place, and pretty soon you don't even know what town you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just... It's a bizarre world. I call it a separate reality. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and, uh, it, it certainly is. And I, from what I've heard from the artists, too, I mean, the ones I've met, I've had the privilege of meeting John Elefante. He's been on this show, and yeah. Brian had yeah. people like that. And you can see that kind of look in their eye when they talk about what it's like to be on the road, because I would yeah. imagine when you're working with a group like Kansas, for example, you've got two or three guys who are Christians, some other guys who are into all sorts of whatever else they're into, and then you're the producer trying <laughs> to keep all that together, you know, and, yeah. and keep the, the business model going and the creative model going. It's got to exactly. be a t- Talk about a challenge. I mean, my goodness. Right. And each story in the book has like some pretty interesting twists to them. Because here's Elefante. When he was brought into Kansas, he was a giant fan of Carrie's. And, uh, and uh, of course, David Hope mm-hmm. were Christians in the band. And that was really intriguing to John because once he became a Christian, he didn't know if he could really go in the world, make music, and be a Christian too. So here he was, invited into a famous band. And there were Christian brothers in there already, so it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, Carrie and David, you know, were getting disenchanted after a while, and they leave, and here's now John <laughs> stuck, <laughs> right. stuck in the group by himself, uh-huh. you know. And uh, so each story has a lot of these these interesting little sequences of events. Everybody's different in there. Uh, there's guys in the book that came in as, you know, Christians and then had to deal with it and had to try to hold on to their Christianity and mm-hmm. maintain all this. There's other people that came in and just like Brian uh, Welch, yeah. just totally decadent as you can get and had a struggle coming to the Lord. And then everything in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting, each story, how dynamic their, their, their uh, travels were in their life coming from nowhere to everywhere to the Lord. Well, if you are a fan of popular music, any genre of popular music, whether it's rock or country or funk or whatever, uh, you're going to find a story in Ken Mansfield's book, Rock in a Heart (laughs) Place, that's going to touch your life. And I encourage you to take a look at it. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. Okay, we've talked about the artist. Ken, what about you? I mean, you're around these people, and and let's talk about your faith journey here, too, because, I mean, that is the heart of the story. Well, you know, I grew up in the church, and I found a common thread when I started talking to these these people is that um, most of us did grow up in the church back in those days because it was more common, and uh, 
most of us grew up in a fire and brimstone church. And right. As soon as we were old enough to get away from home, we just wanted to leave all that stuff behind. Sure. And um, then completely go into the decadent thing and then bottom out. And that's really what happened to me is uh, I grew up in a church, and that pastor never smiled once, and I knew every time I, I left church that I was going to go to hell before I got home. And, <laughs> and, you know, 17 years old, I was out of there, and I didn't want to have anything to do with church. And all those years I was in the business, uh, nothing about religion. If it came up, we just ignored it, or we just pushed it back, or whatever. And then uh in time, my life fell apart, you know, all due to sex, drugs, rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was in Hollywood, and I lost my home. I lost everything. Uh, drove my Mercedes down to the bank and gave it to them. And I mean, I was broke. I was really broke. I was a stoner. I had a guru. I was messed up. My career was in the toilet. And I decided, well, I'll come back to Nashville, Tennessee, because... Uh, I had great success there with Waylon mm-hmm. and the whole outlaw movement. I was just go back there and pick up where I started off. And I'm going to get more crazy and do more drugs and right. do more, <laughs> you know. Two days there, I run into this young lady, and uh, I don't know what happened. There's no question God put us together because I was the last thing she was looking for, mm-hmm. and I certainly wasn't looking to get involved. And uh, she uh, pers- persevered with me, mm-hmm. and uh, we kept having this argument because I had a guru, and I said, you know, my guru is... Uh, you know, he's a path, and there's many paths to the top of the mountain, and Jesus is one. He's an extended master. You know, he's one of the great ones. And she said, and I said, he is a way. She said, no, he's the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would say, no, he's a way, and she'd say, the way. We'd fight about that. <laughs> and so it went on and on. In the process, we were really falling in love with each other. Mm. She came to me one day, Roger, and um, she said, i got to talk to you. And I said, well, what about? And she said, well... I see where this relationship is headed, and um, I cannot become unequally yoked, and I have to make a decision between you and Jesus. And she says, I, I choose Jesus. Wow. Whoa. Yeah, no. what, yeah what'd that do for you? what do for your ego there? Hey, wait a minute, who's this Jesus guy? Don't give me that, you know? <laughs> you know and she had been taking me to, uh, I'm in Nashville, she'd been taking me to all the Christian concerts, Milan Lefevre sure. and Petra. Was this in the mid-80s? Rich Mullins, Rich Mullins and all these people, and taking me to the churches with the great musicians mm-hmm. and, and just trying to get to me that way. But what she had been doing for all this time is she was talking the talk, but when she walked the walk, and I saw, saw how much Jesus meant to her, I thought, I've never had anything. I'm willing to give up something I really care about for, like she just did. Mm-hmm. I thought, I want to feel that way. I yeah. want something that special. And that was the turning point. Um, you got to take a look at uh, Ken's book, because he, t- not in a name-droppy sense, but I mean, Ken, now <laughs> your, your salvation story. And you feature uh, artists, I mean, Ruth Pointer, Mark Farner is in there. Yeah. I mentioned Brian Head Welch, uh, Chris Hillman from The Birds. A lot of people know that. I was stunned to see that you had a chapter in here with Rudy Sarzo. And the reason is because as a, a perspiring bassist, as opposed to an aspiring bassist myself, <laughs> um, and had grown up with all different genres of music, I know that this guy is the bass player who was with Quiet Riot and then with Ozzy right. Osbourne and then with Ronnie James Dio. I mean, this guy, he's, he's in everything, you know, that, that yeah. looks like that kind of hair metal stuff. Tell me about his faith. Well, Rudy is really in the book is probably the only kind of band member in a band. Everybody else is like the lead singer, the main person, and all that, you know, the most famous person. But Rudy's credentials are so strong. 
and he is the person in the book because there's all these different um, uh, different stories. He's a person that came in as a believer, as a Christian, and stayed true to his faith all the way through with all the temptations. And you get through Ozzy Osbourne and maintain and are steady in your faith and your walk with the Lord. That's pretty amazing, especially yes. he was there really during some of the darkest moments. And um, so Rudy's story is extremely special in that way. Well, if you know somebody who's into heavy metal, this is a book for them, because you've got between Brian Welch and, and Rudy Sarzo, you've got two guys who, who know what it's like to be at the top, top yeah. of the heap, and then to have the, the, the faith story to go along with it. Ken Mansfield, the time has gone by much too quickly. If you are ever in Orange County and want to stop by and hang out, I would love to love buy, you, buy you a burger and just talk more uh, shop here <laughs> with you. The book is called oh. Rock in a Heart Place, a rock and roller coaster ride from rebellion to sweet salvation. It's up at the bottom line show. Uh, Ken, a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for the work that you've done. And Ken, what are you working on right now? We've got 60 seconds left. What are you working on currently? I mean, besides being an author and publicizing well, that. Well, that's it. I'm uh, writing a new book, my next book, uh, my sixth book. And um, I'm speaking at churches and colleges and mm-hmm. you know, events and things. I do a few secular events. I do a few Beatles things, but that's just because... I don't know why. Well, because people still remember you, sure. But th- th- yeah. that, it's good to know that, that uh, folks will have a chance to hear you at some point, you know, out and about, because uh, the stories this man can tell, and then to tell it through the, through the lens now of a biblical worldview is just a, it's a really special gift, and uh, we, we will all benefit from it. Ken Mansfield, again, the book is called Rock in a Heart Place, A Rock and Roller Coaster Ride from Rebellion to Sweet Salvation. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. Ken, God bless you, and thank you for being with me today here on The Bottom Line. Thank you, and let's do that again sometime, okay? And that concludes my conversation with the legendary Ken Mansfield today here on The Bottom Line, author of the book Rock in a Heart Place, um, the rock and roller coaster ride from rebellion to sweet salvation. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, uh, airing this conversation that I actually recorded seven years ago for a, uh, uh, for a, a, a just actually a great... <laughs> Uh, interview to air, but when the brand new book came out back in 2015, I got to meet Ken, wonderful man, and these profiles of all these different people um, are are so remarkable. We've got a copy of the book here that we're giving away today to remember Ken Mansfield, former U.S. manager of the Beatles, Apple Record Company. He's a Grammy and Dove award-winning producer, also an ordained minister and the author of several books. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We have one copy of this book. I'm holding it in my hands, and quite frankly, it's my copy of the book. I want you to have it, okay? Um, everybody who calls, if you ask for something, if you don't win the Ken Mansfield book, uh, we've, I'm sure we have something else we can get for you, but one copy of Ken Mansfield's Rock in a Heart Place to give away, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through. To the bottom line. You know, one of the things I love about the ministry of preborn is that in addition to the the actual practical things that we talk about, the fact that women come in for a free ultrasound and a free pregnancy test, and once they see that ultrasound, 83% of the time, a woman who sees the ultrasound and hears the baby's heartbeat for the first time is going to say, that's my son, that's my daughter, I can't wait to be a mom. Or they're going to say, wow, that is a baby that's just so beautiful, and I can't wait to release this child for adoption. Now, obviously, there's a third option. Option that's legal in the People's Republic of California. But the beautiful thing about preborn is more hearts and minds are being changed by simply showing mom and dad. 
the image of the baby. But it's more than just that. Of the 56,000 pregnancy tests that were given last year, of the 25,000 babies saved at preborn clinics just through the first six months of this year, do you know how many women are also giving their hearts to Jesus Christ? Nearly 200 women per week. That's over nearly five, more than 5,000 decisions for Christ this year alone. Pro-life, pro-baby, pro-mom, pro-gospel. We're saving more than just babies. We're saving souls with preborn. Your $28 donation makes that happen for one child. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-2229. Call now. Good News Friday today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. It's never good news when you talk about the passing of someone, but it's always good news when you see how God took someone who had the position that Ken Mansfield did. I mean, he's the uh, he was the U.S. manager for Apple Records, handled all things Beatles in the States when they first came here, went on to produce and uh, work with a number of artists in the mainstream world, and has great stories to tell about the faith of many artists, both Christian and mainstream artists, that you might not know about. Uh, who knew that Ronnie James Dio's bass player, Rudy Sarzo, was a Christian? Well, Ken knew. Ken probably led him to Christ. Uh, in his later years, he served as an ordained minister. He recently, I understand, uh, lost his battle with cancer and now received his eternal healing from that. But in memoriam and honoring Ken Mansfield, I wanted to uh, share with you a copy of his book and this conversation we had seven years ago. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. This is my copy of the book, and I want to share it with you. So um, it's a book that I have on my desk constantly. There's about a half dozen that I have here. And this is one that's extra special. You know, I know a lot of people get into the arts and they love God and they want to make records or, you know, make movies or write books or whatever it is. And having spent 40 years in this industry, I can honestly say that one of the best ways that you could be successful in the industry is to give up that desire. And rather say, God, what do you have for me? I remember uh, working with the late Dean Jones uh, years ago. He was doing a, an audio book for like a Jeanette Oak novel or something like that. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is the you know, Herbie. This is the love bug, right? This is, I mean, what else did he, I mean, he did so many movies for about a four-year period. Dean Jones was the guy. And then he wasn't. All of a sudden, he was a big, famous movie star. He'd started these top blockbuster movies. And so the agent started getting the pitches from the movie company saying, we want you to do this movie, but it's got some profanity in it, or there's a love scene in it, or, uh, you know, there's going to be a naked woman in your... He said, no, I'm not doing that. And just like that, Dean Jones, Christian Square guy, wasn't working anymore. And so years later, he was doing some stuff at Church on the Way here in uh, Van Nuys and Jack Hayford's church. And he got to mentor a young guy by the name of Bruce Marciano. If you know Bruce, Bruce was, long before The Chosen became a thing, Bruce was the first guy to really gain notoriety for playing Jesus in a movie in the, in the uh, visual Bible. And Bruce was working with Dean one day and finally said, Dean, what did you do? How did you handle that season where you went from being the top box office idol in America, if not the world, to not knowing where you're going to get your next meal. And he said, well, that's just it, Bruce. The key is I just eat whatever God puts on my plate every day. And I don't question what it is. And I don't question what's going to happen with the next meal. I just eat whatever he puts on my plate every day. Uh, may that be an encouragement to you during this Advent season. If you're struggling, if you're having a hard time with feeling like God's not hearing your prayer, answering your prayer, or, or moving in the direction you'd like him to, just take those words of Dean Jones to heart. And also, 
take a look at the ministry of Ken Mansfield. Uh, may he rest with the Lord eternally. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day and weekend. We've got uh, Rabbi Schneider coming up next with Discovering the Jewish Jesus. For those who remain on the network, Babby Mason, Dove Award winner, Grammy nominee, and entrepreneur, and educator, and Christian broadcaster, going to join me to talk about keeping the good news the good news. That's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Well, special guest joining me today on The Bottom Line. It's not every day you get a chance to talk with a Hall of Fame inductee, but we have one uh, for you today. Babby Mason, uh, one of the greatest vocalists of our time, a singer, songwriter, 26-time Dove Award winner, Gospel Music Hall of Fame. But there's so much more to what God is doing in Babby Mason's ministry, and we had a chance to catch up with her a couple months ago at a recent event here in Southern California. And wanted to have her come on and share with Bottom Line listeners what's happening in the ministry of Babby Mason. So, Babby, welcome to The Bottom Line Show today. Thank you. It's good to be with you today. It's great to be with you. And for those who are listening on our our network of radio stations, Babby's no stranger to radio. We're going to talk about Babby Mason Radio in just a moment. But also for uh, those of us who are Zooming along with us and uh, uh, myhopenow.com, it, it's interesting how the, the landscape has changed so dramatically uh, since you were starting in the uh, singer-songwriter world about the time I was starting in the radio world. And uh, we've both seen a lot that's uh, has happened since then. How did Babby Mason, the educator, move into Babby made the kind of musical evangelist? Talk about your your background growing up and what led you first to music education and ultimately into uh, uh, full-time gospel music for a few essays. Oh, I'd be happy and excited to do that. Thank you for the privilege of talking with you today. Well, I grew up in uh, Michigan and not too far from Detroit, which when I was coming up, you know, Mm -hmm. Detroit was Motown. Oh, yeah. Yes. And uh, it was my dream to someday be a Motown singer. Um, But I I think that was probably every black girl's dream who grew up singing in the Midwest. You know, Um, there was Aretha and and Gladys and Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. And, you know, all of those wonderful singers that carved and paved a way for singers like me. Um, But I grew up a preacher's daughter and my father was a Baptist pastor. And so that meant if I could play three chords, that meant I had a job as a church piano player. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, the same last name and you could play three chords. You're right. Absolutely. So automatically there was, you know, there's my job. My, my job is just my is already cut out for me. So um, I was nine years old when uh, one day the piano player, for some reason, uh, didn't appear. I think she her husband got a job in another city. They moved away. I had been taking piano lessons for about three or four years, uh, starting around age five. Um, and my parents realized that I could play a little bit. So my dad looked at me one Sunday morning. I was nine years old, still in patent leather shoes and bobby socks. And dad said, Bab, today you're going to play. <laughs> and I played for my father's church for almost 20 years. Wow. And that just gave me a wonderful jumping off point, you know, a great launching pad for music and learning, you know, my skills as a piano player, as a leader, as a choir director, uh, you know, with planning worship, uh, just, you know, being sensitive to what's going on in the worship service and just learning how to lead and learning how to live the life of worship and, mm-hmm. and acclimate as a, and learn my skills as a musician and learning how to sing and play the piano by ear and by music and all those things that a church musician and even just a regular good musician needs to know just rudiments of learning how to play in every key and in my daddy's church we didn't have we had hymnals but they didn't read music they sang everything by ear so I had to learn how to play the piano by ear in every key 
And so by the time I was, you know, in my early teen years, I was playing for all the church uh, um, worship services, leading all the rehearsals and things like that. So that gave me a wonderful um, on job on the job training for music ministry and, and for classroom teaching. Yeah, and I oh. love the well, I love the fact that you I'm talking with Babby Mason today here on the bottom line about her early days in ministry. And I, I love the fact that even though what you were doing was a lot by rote, it was a lot by feel, divine inspiration, at the same time God gave you this kind of sense of administration, academia, that type of stuff that wanted to be able to kind of walk in both worlds, if you will. I mean, obviously there has to be some kind of passion, especially for sacred music, but at the same time to know key signatures, time signatures, you know, music theory and that type of stuff, and to want to be well-versed in that. Whereas I, I imagine some of the younger, you know, contemporaries of ours would look at that and say, well, you know, as long as you could play the chords, you know, Barry Gibb never learned how to read music. So who cares? Right. You know, I mean, it doesn't, but the fact that you, you did both and, and did so, uh, it's it's really a testament to you understanding the giftedness that God had given you even in early age. Yeah, and you know it's like being bilingual. You you learn both languages. I learned yeah. how to play by by rote by ear, but I also learned how to read music, and both have served me well. I've learned how to play by ear in the black church, but in you know in white Southern Baptist churches, they very very rarely do anything by ear. It's all written. Right. And or if I'm in a studio session, some days you're. Um, you know, doing head charts or you're singing by ear. Another day they put a piece of music in front of you and you got to sight read. Mm -hmm. So I learned how to, to just navigate both of those styles, both of those languages. And so one day I went to my dad, you know, after I graduated from college, I went to dad and said, you know, dad, I think the Lord is calling music ministry. And daddy said, baby, you need a job. <laughs> so, <laughs> you need uh, a job. Uh -huh. So... And my father was a pastor in a small community and he, you know, he served and wore a lot of hats. Daddy um, was a pastor, but he was also a county commissioner. He worked in the Jackson, I went, um, grew up in Jackson, Michigan. So he worked with Jackson Public Schools, you know, in, in uh, certain um, teaching, you know, classes and teaching classes at the local university. And so dad uh, arranged for me to get an interview there at Jackson Public Schools, and I got my first teaching job right out of college, taught middle high school music for a number of years. But what began to happen was, you know, the Bible says your gift will make room for you. And immediately my gifts began to make room for me. I would sing at a prayer breakfast or a, wait, a ladies um, meeting like Women's Aglow or Christian Women's Business Women's Club or something. And somebody would say, hey, can you come and sing for my meeting? Can you come and sing for my banquet or my prayer breakfast or my worship service or my wedding or my loved one's funeral? And I said yes. And the next thing I know, those th kinds of events were, were pushing me out of the classroom because, you know, once I got married, we started having family and I'm teaching piano lessons after school and raising kids and doing lesson plans. And then, you know, singing for a wedding on Saturday and working on this during the summer and you know, just trying to launch ministry. Well, after a while, you're working two full-time jobs and raising right. a family. And my dream just began to blossom. Of course, I love teaching and I'm still teaching um, in, a, in a lot of respects. But I saw the opportunity to, um, um, where my calendar began to fill up with ministry dates. Mm. And it, and I took that leap of faith and with some support from my husband and other people that believed in our ministry, 
that supported us and I was able to quit my job in 1984 and launched into music ministry as a full-time vocation and that was in 1984 and the Lord just began to open up doors that were just phenomenal opportunities for us to launch into ministry and here we are 36 years later love it um have navigated you know all kinds of changes in ministry and industry and education um but the lord has given me this desire to just want to keep up yeah and um and here we are still here i think it's fantastic babby mason uh, my guest today here on the bottom line uh gospel music hall of famer multi uh, multi 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 dove award winning artist singer and songwriter and babby i personally as a uh, growing up as the son of a music educator, I love the the phrase to describe someone singer songwriter, because I know there are some very talented vocalists who just really can bring the house down emotionally, bring you up and bring you right down. But there has to be something to sing, obviously. And the fact that you sing so well, but you write so well too. What, do you consider yourself more a singer or songwriter? Um, depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say yes is an appropriate answer too, yes. yeah, because, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think over time, I, I, early, probably early on, I would say, I, well, I'm a singer who writes, but over, you know, three and a half decades of writing songs that other people have recorded. Uh, I never in a million years dreamed that I would have songs out there that that I wrote, but I've never recorded that other people have recorded. Um, it's just an amazing, humbling experience to hear. That's like saying, you know, I know all of my babies are beautiful, but that's, that's like somebody saying, we recognize that your baby is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, that's just a real amazing thing. So I would just say, I kind of wear both hats equally. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. After, after so many years of writing songs, um, I think both of them are kind of, you know, who I am and what I do. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we continue, we're going to talk about another aspect of Babby Mason's ministry that is very inspirational. I mean, literally because of uh, her commitment to her faith in Christ, but also inspirational in the sense that as we move into different seasons of life, oftentimes the culture will say, okay, well, this is where you're headed right now. But Babby has, uh, has mastered the art of reinvention. And I want to talk about that with her on the other side of this break, because when you hear about what's working in Babby Mason's ministry today, you're going to say, wow, I thought she was just a great singer. <laughs> but there's so much more to the ministry, educationally, musically, uh, and, and otherwise, of Babby Mason that we'll want to uh, take a look at, especially when we talk about Babby Mason Radio. More of my conversation with gospel music superstar Babby Mason in just a moment. Bottom line continues. Call Dennis Wilson and his team today at 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. I get this comment a couple times a week. You know, should I stay in the market or should I get out? If you like the results of the last two years, stay in. If not, then we've got some great solutions to help you stop the bleeding, put the stitches in, and then go from there. I personally think that the current administration is going to continue the roller coaster of the market, and it's going to be especially hard for those who are living on a fixed income or nearing retirement. It's leading us down the road to where the huge majority of people who are studying what's going on think that a recession is almost here. And so with this administration we have, I would recommend you get away and stay away. Protect your resources in retirement with Wilson Financial Services. Call 800-696-9970. That's 800-696-9970. Or fill out the contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial. 
Call Dennis Wilson and his team today at 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. I get this comment a couple times a week. You know, should I stay in the market or should I get out? If you like the results of the last two years, stay in. If not, then we've got some great solutions to help you stop the bleeding, put the stitches in, and then go from there. I personally think that the current administration is going to continue the roller coaster of the market, and it's going to be especially hard for those who are living on a fixed income or nearing retirement. It's leading us down the road to where the huge majority of people who are studying what's going on think that a recession is almost here. And so with this administration we have, I would recommend you get away and stay away. Protect your resources in retirement with Wilson Financial Services. Call 800-696-9970. That's 800-696-9970. Or fill out the contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial. Abby Mason is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Barsh, Gospel Music Hall of Famer. Uh, 20, how many Dove Awards? Now, this is an unfair question to ask because either you don't keep track of them because they're not as important to you, or you know exactly how many. And if I read something wrong, you were going to correct me. So I, something tells me the answer would be more like the first one. Then the second I actually question. have two. See that one right there? Yeah. And that mm-hmm. one right there, they happen to be on my bookshelf. I there. have two double awards, 11 nominations, 26 projects. Right. Okay, there you go. 26 recorded projects, mm-hmm. two double awards, 11 nominations, uh, du- uh, lots of Dove nominations, Grammy nominations, Stellar nominations, yep. Emmy mm-hmm. nominations, and things like that. And, you know, that's just wonderful validation and encouragement from your peers um, you know, from the industry, it means a great deal to know that your music is and your gifts and your skills are recognized by your peers and by yeah. the industry. That that means the world. Yeah. And I can imagine if you can keep it in proper perspective, then that as you do, you know, everything to glorify the Lord and and it brings greater recognition to him. than we're all about it. Um, Babby Mason, singer, songwriter, educator. She talked about her early years uh, going from. Uh, church organist. And and I appreciate the fact that you had the opportunities to play in uh, different types of churches, which gave you a a greater feel and a greater appreciation for the kingdom of God in that regard. Um, As you have advanced in your your career, the teaching thing has always been a part of what you do. You mentioned earlier, you're an adjunct professor teaching songwriting and and also entrepreneurial type of classes. We were talking during the break about the fact that if you had to kind of boil your your existence, you know, in terms of the career, uh, the ministry that God's given you, uh, it, it would be pretty much summed up with the word reinvention. Talk about why that's so important, especially as you can see the uh, dust on the bottle here on my chin, uh, you know, realizing <laughs> that we're we're probably contemporaries here, you know, with regard to uh, you know, our journey. And yet we still feel called to continue to serve and get out there. The culture looks at our generation babby and says okay you had your turn you're done you know it's time to let the younger kids come along and yet you still got a passion you know for for serving talk about why that reinvention especially in god's economy is so important yes well you know i try to just align my life with god's word and believe what the word says regardless of what our culture says Amen. Um, because my bible tells me in jeremiah 29 11 uh, the Bible says, I know the plans I have for you. I insert my name there. Um, I know I, I know the, the Lord says, I know the plans I have for you, Babby. Mm-hmm. There are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. There are plans to give you a hope and a future. And what that means is God has a plan for every season of my life. There is no expiration date on his plan for our lives. 
And, um, you know, a lot of our, you know, I guess it all depends on who you're listening to. Yeah. You know, and a part of our culture will say, hey, you know, you're you're 30, you're 35, you're 40, you're washed up. You should retire. You should make room for the, you know, for the young people. But, um, you know, what I'm experiencing is that we I've, I have almost 40 years of experience in, in ministry and business and life. And I get to share my experiences with my students, um, with the people that I mentor and with other women, with other uh, songwriters, with singers, with entre uh, entrepreneurs, with authors and speakers. And I find them hungry, insatiably hungry for mm -hmm. knowledge, for mm -hmm. experience. They want to read my books. They want to come to my seminars. And I find that, you know, true in my own life. Um, I can't wait to get to the next seminar or read the next book or read the next email. You know, I was just reading an email from, you know, a company that produces uh, CDs and, and um, new ways to get your music out there because, you know, a lot of times people don't listen to CDs, but um, to listen to di different ways to produce digital music and to sell digital music. And so I'm always wanting to be current and, and I always want to teach what it is I think I know. And so I'm finding that people are always hungry for information. So I don't necessarily believe that, you know, everything that I hear, um, I just believe, you know, that I'm called, that I believe that I have something to say. I believe I have an audience. And as long as um, I see the results of that, then I'll keep doing what I'm doing. You know, it's interesting, as you mentioned this, talking with Babby Mason today here on The Bottom Line. And by the way, we have a link for Babby.com up at thebottomlineshow.com so you can see all of the myriad of ministry projects that she's been involved in. As you were talking about the, the younger generation being hungry, uh, hungering and thirsting for information, for data, you know, even for knowledge, I, I take it a step further and say that the, I think the heart's cry of a lot of young people is they're looking for wisdom and they're realizing that if you just spend your time kick it around in the data information world, or oh, you'll get you know the data and information you're looking for, but they're looking for someone to show them how to apply it. Uh, talk about that, what that means to you as an educator, as a performer, as, a, as an entrepreneur, I mean, a businesswoman, and even as a broadcaster with the TV and radio shows that you hosted. Heck, the network, radio network that you started, Babby Basin Radio, that, that in and of itself is quite an accomplishment. Yes. Well, you know, I think the thirst for knowledge hasn't changed. You know, I think it's the same in every generation. Yeah. It, it was the same in my generation. I remember when I quit my job in 1984, that very summer, I heard about the Christian Artist Music Seminar in the Rockies. I don't know if yeah. you, you remember that. You remember that, um, the Met out there at Estes Park. Mm -hmm. And I went out there that year, that first year that I quit my job and entered some songs in the songwriting competition and um, entered uh, into the vocal competition and made a little splash out there and went out there the next year and won a couple of first place prizes and uh, just began to acclimate myself to thinking like a um, like an artist and meeting people who ran the industry and meeting publishers and other songwriters and wanting to invest in myself as an artist and as a songwriter and you know that hasn't changed that that mentality has not changed over four decades or three right. and a half decades that I've been in the industry. You know, the industry is still driven by great songs. It's mm -hmm. still driven by publishing and mm -hmm. radio and television and performances and touching your audience and making a difference and impacting people's lives. Those things have not changed. And so I think people can see that, that it's working in my life. 
and that it's helped me to be a success and it's helped me to shine my light for Christ. And it's, it's the giving me a, and my husband and my family has supported us. And I, my son is a singer songwriter. He lives up, he lives out in LA. Excellent. And so they see that it's working not only for me, but for my family, for my students. And so, you know, I just want to keep perpetuating that mindset. And I, I write books. I wrote a book called fully qualified that, that kind of incorporates my, my story and, a lot of uh, things to help singers and songwriters and authors become a success. So I just want to perpetuate the things that are working and help people to grab onto the knowledge, the experience, so that they can become better communicators, better singers, better songwriters. Yeah, I, and I love that enthusiasm. And, and that, you know, quite frankly, I, I think part of the reason why you see the success and the fruitfulness of your ministry, too, and the fact that younger people are being drawn to you, it's that whole Luke 7 thing. You know, I mean, wisdom is is known by our children. I mean, the fact that you are able to invest in the next generation, just as what you, you've taken for what God has used others to invest into you, and, uh, the, and the circle keeps on turning. Babby Mason is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Babby.com is the website where you can learn all about her music conferences, her educational opportunities, uh, her music, her writing. I mean, she's a, a true Renaissance woman, too. Take the last 90 seconds of our time together. I mean, the fact that you felt led to start an online broadcasting network that features a lot of the same ministries that you feature here on The Bottom Line Show. Uh, talk about why that was important to you, because I don't see too many singer-songwriters, Babby, who say, you know, I think I'll start a radio ministry that's online that features Bible teachers. I mean, that just yeah, maybe a lot of music, but not necessarily the teaching and preaching of the word of God. Yes. Well, this is the power of, this is the power of radio. I wanted to perpetuate um, what radio, how radio has impacted my life personally and how radio has impacted my ministry. And as I began to inch into what I thought was retirement, that hasn't happened yet. And I don't see it. I don't <laughs> no see way. that happening. It's not in the Bible still. anywhere. So yeah, you keep going. <laughs> exactly. Keep going. Yeah. We don't retire. We refire. That's what I say. Ooh, I love but, that. But as I saw myself inching towards that season in my life, um, I asked the Lord, how can I, how can I reinvent my life um, at this season? And I heard the Lord say, internet radio. I have, listen, I have 30 years of music. And so I started with my own music and I put my own music on the radio station. And because I mentor singers and songwriters, I put their music, you know, if it meets that quality standard, I put their music on the radio. And then I thought about the ministries that have impacted my life. You know, Tony Evans and Charles mm -hmm. Stanley and Max Lucado and all the people that I've met over the course of 40 years of ministry, I put their ministry on the radio. And the next thing I know, I have thousands of people that are listening to us every month. And I never dream. You know, this is what I love about, you know, doing life with, with Jesus. It's his word says, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think according yes. to the power that is at work within you. So I got work to do and I love it. And um, I'll just do whatever I can do to lift up the name of Jesus that he might draw all men unto himself. And uh, this will be a place where I can continue ministry, share new music mm -hmm. and perpetuate the gospel so that I can encourage people around the world. I love it. Well, and I'm, I'm borrowing and giving you full attribution for the nobody retires in God's economy. We just refire. We get the. Yes, that, sir. You know, I yes, love sir. that. I love that because to our audience, especially for those who are in that season of life right now and, and wondering, you know, what are the next steps? Let Babby Mason's words be an encouragement to you of how God will continue to use you in the senior years of life. 
Abby Mason, what a joy and honor to spend some time with you today here on the Bottom Line Show. Again, we've got a link for babby.com up at thebottomlineshow.com. God's richest blessings to you and your family during this uh, uh, this fall season here. And we look forward to reconnecting with you again soon just for a touch point. Thanks for being Thank with Thank you, today. my friend. If I can serve you in any way, let me know. God bless you. And thanks for the time today. What a delightful conversation and what a chance. I mean, I love God's serendipities. Babby Mason's been my guest today here on The Bottom Line. All things Babby, you'll find at babby.com. And I encourage you to check out her music, of course, the educational opportunity she has. She's a great instructor. She's got a real heart for education and also her online broadcast network as well. Some great teaching programs, a lot of the same ones that you hear here on Bottom Line Show, show uh, networks all the way around. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here on this Good News Friday. Some final thoughts to share with regard to something Babby brought up that's kind of a recurring theme in her life and the life of uh, uh, Ken Mansfield and Candace Cameron Bure and others that we've been profiling today on this Good News Friday. Uh, we'll talk about obedience and what it means to truly be open to what God has in store for you. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. When's the last time you got such tremendous value out of spending $1 every day? on something that was very, very important. You know, when you make a donation of $28 to Preborn on a regular basis, $28 every month, that's less than a dollar a day, and that $28 practically guarantees that you're going to save a baby's life physically and also spiritually. Roger Barsh here for Preborn, the outstanding pro-life health centers that I am recommending you make a donation to, especially here at the end of the year. 833-850-BABY is the number to call or go online to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com and click on the preborn banner 100% of what you donate to preborn today goes directly to providing ultrasounds they do separate fundraising for overhead and administrative costs so 100% of what you give today goes to saving babies and you know what <laughs> the beautiful thing is what is raised here stays here as well I want to challenge you here how many children do you have how many grandchildren do you have Lisa and I have six children and four grandchildren we have donated to save 10 babies on a couple of different occasions to preborn it's $28 saves one baby it's $140 saves five babies it's 280 that saves 10 833-850-BABY is the number to call 833-850-2229 or go to Kbright Radio or rogermarsh.com click on the preborn banner today my thanks again to Babby Mason for joining me today here on this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with this gospel music. Great. And uh, Babby.com is where you find all things Babby Mason. Um, also, thank you for allowing the reflection with Ken Mansfield, our brother in the Lord, who... Uh, Ended his earthly journey last week. Ken, legendary music executive, producer, worked with the Beatles, the Stones, and wrote a book about his faith uh, conversion experience called Rock and a Heart Place. Uh, we've got a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and it was fun to give away that copy of A Rock and Roller Coaster Ride from Rebellion to Sweet Salvation. And then Candace Cameron Bure and, and the young man from Kentucky, the basketball player, who I, I put the name up at thebottomlineshow.com. He's from Congo. I don't want to misname him. But there was something, it was a recurring theme in all of our Good News Friday stories today. Did you catch what it was? And that was availability. I remember hearing a pastor when I was very young, and so many of us were focused on, you know, what are we going to do with our lives? What's our purpose? Where are we going to school? What kind of training are we going to get? This type of stuff. And he said, quite frankly, none of that matters because your availability is more important than your ability in God's economy. And I never forgot that because obviously you have to have certain abilities to do certain things. And I believe that each of us has five areas of life that we have to be mindful of. We have strengths, obviously the things we do well, things that come naturally to us. We have weaknesses, 
things that we don't do well that we can work on to improve and possibly turn them into strengths. We then have liabilities, which are things that will never, this is Paul's thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians. You know, the thing that you, you, you have to come to terms with the fact that there's a finite nature to who you are and you're not going to do everything great. I'm not fast and I can't jump very high, especially not now. <laughs> but that's a liability, but I can work around it. And then there are talents and then there are gifts. Talents are things that lots of people have that you discover. I didn't know I had a talent for cooking, you know, or whatever it is. I don't. Maybe you do. And then there are gifts. And the gifts, I believe, are things that God gives to each of us individually to use uniquely to serve in the body of Christ so that everybody else can look around and say, wow, you have this gift and you have that gift and whatever. And we'll talk about the gift of tongues or prophecy or knowledge, but I'm talking about things that you do each and every day that only you can do. And that if you use that gift for the furtherance of God's kingdom, you will thrive. But if you bury that gift, like the, uh, uh, the ungrateful servant, then basically there's a weeping and gnashing of teeth episode for you because God is sovereign and he will bring that blessing to somebody else. Keep your hands open, keep your heart open, keep your eyes and ears open, and oftentimes keep your mouth shut and watch what God has for you, the blessings that he has to bestow on all of his children. That is good news, and that's the bottom line.